Welcome to another Monday. No one gets away with anything. Today with you we are Jose Rafael Chaneri and Ariana Lopez. Hi, welcome back. Hello. You know, when, like today when I arrived to Jose's house, like he opened the door for me and he was like, "Hello." And I was like, "Holy." And he was like, "Hi." And I I didn't remember like we used to start our episodes like I didn't that. even notice we did that. Like, you did it today. Like, that I, I didn't notice that I did that today. And then you said it and I was like, wow, I'd forgotten. Like, it used to be a reflex and it was not this time. Yeah. I it, think for you it was the same. It was it was weird, but it wasn't, it, it, I don't know. I've, we used to start every episode like that. We used, we've had like different stages of like either the Sharpay, hello, like, <laughs> brr, 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 ma, ma. <laughs> that one was good. Yeah. And then we had like the hello, hi, and now we're like serious people who don't. Who sit down. Who and don't then, say those things anymore. You are not, pro- you're probably not going to see it, but before every episode, there's a like 35 minute delay between us start to record and then sitting down. <laughs> and then we stand up because we forgot something and then yeah. we stand, sit down again and then we talk about what we're going to talk and then we discuss it again and then we forgot something. And then, and then we, we do it again. And then we finally managed to do it. And then we start recording and we did it wrong. I made Ariana coffee before we started yeah, today. Yeah, but he made me coffee. I bought bread. He was taking some lemonade. Yeah. And I, I was I was drinking lemonade in a wine glass, which... Amazing. I think it's a well-deserved... Yeah, wrong treat. fruit, though. Uh, it's supposed to be grapes. That was the worst joke I've ever made. Ever. Excelente. So, Ariana, we estamos discutiendo que... Vemos el mundo distinto. And this might sound stupid, but we do. And it's weird. And we don't exactly know why we see the world differently. So basically, I was reading this book that Jose like, recommended called Snoop. And he mentioned it like at the beginning of our podcast, like first episodes. And this book basically explores people's personality through their belongings. It's like how their room is decorated, the things that they keep, what they don't keep what they portray to others, what they decide to portray for themselves. So basically, I was going through the book and there's a point in which it, it starts bringing up personality tests. And it's sort of like, it gives you five statements and you have to put a score according to the weight or the, the degree in which you relate to those statements. Yeah, you're, whether you agree or disagree with a statement. Exactly. So since it's Hoss's book, like I was going through them and the scores were there. So it's like, I basically had an insight to everything that Jose thought about himself by the time that he read the book. So I was like, I think it'd be interesting for me to like, just do the same numbers. That, 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 just that is terrifying. <laughs> I just, you just gave me like this thing, like, go ahead and read it. And then I, I had was forgotten. reading and I was like, this is not a book. This is like a diary situation. Yes, yeah. I, I do have to say this book is recommended by somebody else. Uh, Bernardo, you're a genius. This book is amazing. And it led me into psychology very deeply. Uh, but yes, there's essentially little like tidbits about literally who I am as a person to my core. So I decided to just not look at Jose's numbers oh, thank at you. the beginning. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I could do my own, like, you know, I did my own test for myself and then I'd compare. And right after I did it, I literally called Jose and I told him, I know what we're going to talk about next episode. We have to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> and it was perfect because forever, the longest time I'd known about my scores and I had, you know, researched a little bit about it and I had done a more standardized test that, you know, takes all this into consideration. And then just like that, like that week uh, we were doing this, I retook my test. Like I, I started rereading it and uh, I was like, whoa, 
this is really important. And this is talking a lot about stuff that's like really, you know, about how I see the world. Mm -hmm. And this was done like two years ago. (laughs) So like, and just then she called me and she brought it up. And I was like, that's interesting. Eh, Como diría mi madre, no es eh, casualidad, es causalidad. So there's a reason for it. And that's why we're going to do what we're going to do today. It turns out that I thought it was like very innocent, you know, like simple book with a little test. But then Jose was like, if we're going to talk about personalities, you might as well do the same test that I did, which is the one that he was talking about. Yeah. So he not only made me do the test, you have to pay for the test. But anyways... I blackmailed her into it. (laughs) And we'll walk you through both of our tests. Yeah, we're going to try to walk you through the test. We're going to try not to make it tedious. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about what that means for us. So uh, if it's an aspect of our personality, there generally is a very funny story Mm -hmm. attached to that or a very serious story Mm -hmm. attached to it. So vamos a irnos un poco por ese lado de intentar... Eh, explicar nuestra personalidad and the idea is that you maybe uh, can do it for yourselves at mm-hmm. some point um, this book is a really basic one but if you really want the deep one uh, it's in a webpage that we will link below because again remember we're on YouTube now yes. awesome and yeah. before we start uh, what we wanted to point out is the fact that we are so intrigued about doing this test is because Jose and I have like very similar personalities for some things but at the same time, they can be very divergent for some others. And it's yeah. very interesting to see how we see the world differently or similarly. And how is that portrayed in our lives? That's what called my attention in the first place. It's like where I put myself a very high score. Jose could have put himself a very low score or the exact same one. Yeah. And the, the advantage of this test is that it gives you like world averages and averages for men and for women. Mm-hmm. And so it gets really interesting, like... Oh, I am more agreeable than every single person on earth or something like that. So, And, and also, what does that mean? Because it's like, we, for example, I used to associate agreeableness with something like uh, completely positive. It's like, never was I taught that someone who's agreeable is not necessarily a quality for them to be like that. Yeah, and the lesson behind this is that generally speaking, I think it's something like, men and women are the same in like 60% of their personality. Like they're the average is more or less everybody's the same, but in the big differences, when you have people that are in the extreme side of these, then you get interesting results. Okay. this is my dad actually saying goodbye. Cause he's going to go to work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was watching us record very dutifully. And so, I think with that, we can start explaining a little bit. Exactly what this test is about. Yeah. So first, I'm going to start with an anecdote, a really weird anecdote that uh, when I was about, uh, I think everyone has had this experience where you're like, well, women should be more feminine. Men should be more masculine. And then you're also told that, you know, men should express their emotions mm-hmm. more. So should, they should be in touch with their feminine side. Everybody's heard that before. Men or women? Yeah. Men should be in touch with their feminine side. But I think know? that's also a new thing. It is. It is definitely a new thing. But it's kind of like um, eh, whenever you're talking about like uh, and you're in like high school or middle school and you're like, what kind of guys do you like? And it's like, oh, do you like the classic Machogar or do you like like the is like knows his feminine side for example like in line with that which i completely agree i think being sensitive is something very attractive of men it's the thing of i have a couple gay friends for my class 
And I swear, there's no night in which we go out that they don't get at least one girl after them. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah. It's really amazing. And it's like, I talked to one of them, which I, who I love, and he's like, really? I have a talent for girls. It's like, <laughs> they come after me and I don't even know, who, I don't want it anymore. I don't know what to do about it. And like, like, if I had been straight, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I tell him, you know, it's like, Julio, the fact that you're like, so in touch with your emotions and everybody else's emotions makes you very attractive, especially for, you know... Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you're looking for somebody to see what you see, and that's always attractive. If somebody can tell what you're thinking, it's like, oh. It can either be so good that it's creepy, or it can be so good that it's like... That it's interesting, and it you know, keeps you, like, wondering. Yeah, and it can be, like, I'm watching a... My brother bought Crunchyroll. What is that? Crunchyroll, for those of you who don't know, Ariana included, yeah. is, uh, uh, it's, let, let me put it this way, it's the Netflix of anime. Okay. Okay? And so I've been watching a lot of, of anime lately, and I, I watched one called Elite, the Classroom of the Elite. And the guy's a sociopath. Like, the main character is a sociopath. But everybody likes him because he understands everybody. Like, mm -hmm. he, he can coldly, like, you know, understand everything that's going on around him. And that's kind of the allure of, of people who are super sensitive. It's like, oh, you know what's going on. You can understand what I feel, even if I don't understand what I feel. Wrong. Understand your own feelings. Come See, on, people. Also, it's confusing. Somebody can come and just tell you, this is what you're feeling. This is who you are. And if you're not sure about who you really are, it can absolutely mess up with your mind. Exactly. That's why I recommend using an actual test there's a lot of them out there there's the 16 personalities that everybody's done you know mm -hmm. like uh which is like protagonist inventor uh leader etc so uh all of those that's called the myers-briggs test and it's not really at least it's not the most scientifically sound in terms of how it was made mm -hmm. okay and there, there's this paper this test and it's called the big five personality test, okay? And it's an acronym called OCEAN, mm -hmm. which is openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Those are the five scales that you have. Um, it's five dimensions would be exactly. the proper way to say it. Five dimensions of personality. And something very particular about this test, and it's something that they discuss in the book, it's there's two ways in which you can analyze the personality. And one of them is putting them into a category or a label that like fixes them in, into a box and another one is placing it in a sort of spectrum which is what this test does so there's two things first of all a test is never going to completely tell you who you are exactly and there's things about this test or any test that you do it that you can actually ag agree or disagree with and that's fine because in the end the person who should know yourself best is you exactly and this is kind of like there was i recommended once while we were in like the first or second episode uh ted talk by a man uh, whose last name is little dr little mm -hmm. um oh, that one's super good. yeah it's a really good ted talk and it's about personality and it's how um these personality tests are like analyzing from one level of perspective and that level of perspective is like you are different from everybody in the world in the planet and it's something like uh, all humans are the same Some humans are different. You are different from some humans. You are similar to some humans, but you're unique as a person. And that's something that we have to take into consideration here. Like, it doesn't matter what happens, how agreeable, disagreeable, uh, uh, you know, uh, open or closed you are. You can literally change all of it with experience. You can 
basically move away from the natural tendencies that you might have, mm-hmm. that the test might tell you about. And one last thing before we start. So Jose and I were discussing, it's what, what's the point of knowing? Yeah. What's, of knowing every one of these things, especially acknowledging that any trade, for example, what we were saying before about agreeableness, can be either connotated as something positive or something negative, depending on where you stand in the spectrum, right? So you're never going to have a personality which is completely positive, how people commonly conceive it, for example. So the point of this test is not looking at the things that you think that are wrong and trying to change them. It's trying to understand who you are so you can just live your life in a way that will make your personality achieve their fullest potential. Or yeah, or can make an advantage in your life. Exactly. So, so maybe you're trying, and this is something I was telling Jose, it's like, there was a point in my life, and maybe still, where I was trying to be someone specifically, right? And now that I've changed and things in my life have changed, I've noticed that I'm not necessarily that person. And at the beginning, it seemed, and it felt like something that was wrong, but it's not. It's just like, you have to understand who you are so you can take decisions that will allow you to seize your strengths. It's yeah, like, definitely. Maybe I was trying to achieve strengths that I really did not like have. And you can try to develop them. There's nothing wrong with it. But the best thing that you can do also for yourself is look at what you have and do the most out of that. That's something beautiful that you can do. And yeah. also look at the things that you have that maybe are a bit of your weaknesses. And there's something, you know, there's a lot that you can take out from that as well. Yeah, the the other thing is you're going to play a lot of different roles in your life. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a mother or a father, but you're also going to be, you know, sometimes you're going to be the antagonist. Like today I had to do a debate and, you know, I had to be the devil's advocate. And, and sometimes um, you are going to have to be a disciplinarian and sometimes you're going to have to be a teacher. And those are things that are suited for different personalities. Like if you're a soldier, then being disagreeable is super good mm-hmm. because it means that you're not as affected by what's happening as everybody else or that you at least can get through it. Or if you're going to be a disciplinarian, then being orderly, conscientious, and and and, and low in neuroticism is probably very, very good for you. Mm-hmm. But in the other case, if you're going to be a mother or a caretaker, if you're agreeable, and then you are also open to experience and you can probably get into the child's imagination and world a lot easier than a person who's completely disagreeable and who is not open to experience in the least. Mm -hmm. So this is all more or less um, a deck of cards. It doesn't matter which card you get. It's more how you use it. Yeah. So let's start because otherwise we're just going to keep talking and talking and then we never got to the actual test. Is that, is that a dig at me? Are you saying that I can't stop talking? Fair enough. So the first trait. Oh, uh, wait, before we start, one thing that we're going to do is that every time we talk about a trait or we're going to say something funny, like a story related to it, because if not, this is going to be very long. So or at least it can be very long. It's just going to be very tedious if we don't. So we're going to go into agreeableness. Agreeableness. So I'm going to talk about this one. Go ahead. Fair enough. Why am I going to talk about this one? Because I'm in the 80th percentile of agreeableness, which what, means that... What does that mean? Out of 100 people, I am more agreeable than 80 people, which is a considerably high Number. rate. Yeah. While Jose is in the 46th 
percentile. Yes, that means that there's 54 people in a room of 100 who are more agreeable than I am. So basically, all the positive sides of agreeableness get to me way harder than Jose's, than to Jose's, and also the, all the negative sides of being agreeable get to me harder than they get to you. Exactly, and it's something like. Um... Okay, so each one of these characteristics divides into two more. Mm -hmm. So agreeableness is made up of two other things, and they are compassion and politeness. Okay, so uh, compassion would be how empathetic you are, how much you can uh, be aware of other people's emotions, and then politeness is how much you respect authority and rules. Okay, mm -hmm. so it means that there is a positive side to respecting rules. But there's a negative side to respecting rules. And then there's a positive side to being super compassionate. But there's a bad side to it. Yeah. Same in the other side of the spectrum. If you're super low in compassion, then, hey, everybody probably hates you because you mm -hmm. don't take their feelings into consideration. And if, if you're super impolite, then you're probably rude. Mm -hmm. So just... Yeah, well, just like basically what they, how they define the positive things about agreeableness is someone who's compliant, who's nurturing, kind, naively trusting... And conciliatory, which means that they try to avoid conflict and find resolutions. But this precisely leads them to avoid conflict and maybe hide their opinions, which is something that I can relate to, maybe. While on the other hand, if you're not agreeable or you're more into the other side of the spectrum, it's more like you're stubborn, you're dominant, you're harsh, you're skeptical, competitive, and even predatory, which is what Jose was telling before. Which, yeah. you know, also has its positive sides because if you're in an environment that I it demands a lot of your adrenaline. I don't even know how to say that. It's like yeah, if you're stranded in an island and you need exactly. to hunt to survive, damn, if you're you know disagreeable, you're probably good. So, for example, for me, when I got to Spain, it amazed me how people just saw me as a very loving person. That's, like that, the, that's the first thing that people used to tell me or like they saw about me. It's like, you're nice, you see? And that was a beautiful thing at the beginning because people just saw me as a source of happiness and love. But, for example, something that also happens often is that in my relationships, both friends, work, work not maybe as much as school, but in intimate relationships in which I hear a lot about the other person, I really, really struggle to say the things that bother me. So it's like, I'm going to keep them to myself and I'm going to shut down until I expect this is something happened before. Like, I would just be... Mm, until the, I was expecting the other person to come and ask me, like, oh, how are you feeling? So yeah. I, I felt like I had the right to say how I felt. Right? Okay. So you need to ask permission. Exactly. Because in order I'm to, okay. Because I'm the other person is going to take it wrong, and then I'm going to lose them. Or I'm going to mm. make them feel bad. And if somebody feels bad because of something I said, even if I am right, it's going to make me feel worse. Okay, yeah. This is something I'm working on, and that I acknowledge. Okay, go ahead. Tell a story. My relationship, my romantic relationship, like I, that's, that's for me, the hardest thing to deal with is first, I am very sensitive, right? So anything can like, just trigger me very easily, right? And there's things that I've learned to uh, like understand, okay, this is something like I can deal with on my own, but there's other things that, you know, I can't. But it really, really, really scared me or like intimidated me, the idea of having to just come up to, you know, my boyfriend and tell him like, look, you're doing this thing that makes me feel bad. Because I know that's going to make him feel bad, at least at the beginning, even if he changes his mind later, right? Yeah. So knowing that he's not as happy as he could be because of something that I said, for me, it's counterproductive. Yeah, no, and you, you, you basically tied your brain into a knot. 
it's it's really not a good habit to have. Yeah, no, no, it definitely it, it's not. Well, I have a different case. So, in pull up your score, your scores. So, the, you have scores for the other two things, and so my compassion score is ninety three. So, I'm in the ninety third percentile for compassion, which means that out of a hundred people, I'm more compassionate than ninety three. Mm-hmm. Of them. Impressive. Yeah, it is weird to think it's about. It's impressive. It's weird to think about. Uh, and then my politeness is exceptionally low, which I means I'm in the third percentile <laughs> in politeness. So you're definitely not a people pleaser. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I mean, um, I do not mind telling people their shit to their face. Oh, exactly. So I have this party trick, which is my story. Uh that I am very good at getting to know people because I am very compassionate. And you will see later that I'm also very extroverted. And so it is very easy for me to get to know people. And I'm not a particularly closed off person. So I do tell a lot about my personal important stuff. You can tell Ariana and I met deeply talking in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so and you've heard the first episode. So you know what I mean? It, I, I create relationships quickly in a way that I've realized today that it isn't probably the best way to do it. And then when I was in high school, I, I, not today, I realized, uh, I've realized for the last year and a half or something that what I'm about to say isn't precisely the best way to, to make friendships. And it's something like I'm talking to someone and I start building up an image of this person in my head and it's generally very accurate and at least in some things. And then there comes a point where it's like I'm bake. I'm, I'm, my mind is an easy bake oven, and then it gets to that point where it does that ding, and it's it's baked. It means I have some uh, some you know deep truth about you in my head, and then and all of my friends know this, and I've done this to most of my friends, and I literally sit them down and say, "Look, I love the relationship that we have, but I need to say this, which is the opposite of what you do. I need to say this, okay? And you're gonna listen to me, but I'm only gonna say this if you're okay with being destroyed, because this." is a truth that will probably do some damage. You're okay with that? The people say, generally speaking, they're curious about it. So yeah. they say, yeah. And I then proceed to monologue for about an hour and ask questions. And then uh, they m- almost always and go out. Surprised. Yeah, not, not surprised. The look is more like baffled. Like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> and it's good because it creates this thing where like, whoa, this person sees me. And I do, but there's such, there's a lot of negative there too. It's like, my brother has told me like, why don't you try to create relationships page by page, you know, Mm -hmm. add dimension to it, you know, party by party or reunion by reunion or. or, Yeah, without making the whole thing on your own. Yeah. And the other thing is that people have some dark stuff going on. Genuinely, like every world, every mind is 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 a deep, deep place. And it just so happens that when I do that. I absorb a lot of it, you know, there's sometimes you can feel because I'm a very compassionate person, I can feel the depths of how bad that person's having it. And it affects me mm-hmm. deeply. So I, I haven't done that. I, I hadn't done that for about a year and a half. I did it recently uh, as a request from my friends and I did it willingly, but uh it really? did. Re- they yeah. asked you like. Uh, we were in a we were in a you know in a get together. cualquiera y estábamos con un grupo de gente nueva. So there was a couple of people that we didn't know at all, okay. and we were talking about friendships and relationships and all of that. And you know, collectively, all of my friends were like, "Hey, do you remember that thing you used to do? How about you do it to one of them?" And I was like, 
well, like, I could, but, like, and they were like, yeah, yeah, sure. I, like, what is it? I, I want to know. And I was like, look, I'm just going to say that if I do say this, it'll fuck you up. <laughs> Genuinely, because we were in the topic of conversations about friends and about personality. So it was, it all mixed in correctly. Okay. And I think it was the proper circumstance to do it. Yeah, but, but the poor guy. <laughs> you know? What did you tell him? Uh, I told him the truth about himself and I told him that, you know, he should probably get help in, in one way or another. And I told him that I know that he was never, ever going to admit it, but that he could be, he could rest assured that at least from today on, somebody would know. And the guy broke. He was like, he left, like he'd had a lobotomy, you know, he was like, oh my God. And he left and I saw him like a week ago, last weekend. And he was like, man, you, you really did a number on me. And in, in a good way, like he told me, like, you know, I thought about it a lot and, and, and that's good. But like, I didn't believe that you were going to like, wow. Actually I mean, say something. I don't remember if you ever did. Like, I that do it every time we talk. Exactly. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I was thinking, like, I think the whole podcast, podcast has been like an extension of it for us. Uh, and we do. Uh, we, we generally, before we record or after we record, Honestly, we have a bit we of a have combo. Like a, another podcast. Of, yeah. Like, catching up. <laughs> we've, we've, I had the conversation of like we should record this and put it on like Patreon or something because it's like more interesting it's than like, the actual I, I podcast. I literally I opened the door of Jose's house and then immediately you know it's like you have a very interesting conversation you going on all vomit. the time. It's like I look at him and I'm like, what's going on? And then yeah. I ask, sometimes they're like, I know, I know there's something, I know there's something there, and he does the same thing to me. It's like. What the fuck is wrong with you today? I'm, 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 my approach generally has, with her has been to ask little questions and then she'll go on to bigger ones and bigger ones and bigger ones and it's really funny to watch. <laughs> Just so you know, I it's do like, that. It's that. It's like for me, it's, it's very easy and at the same time very hard to open up. Yeah. Um, interesting. So, mm-hmm. that was my anecdote. I hope it was a good one. Yeah. It'll take us three hours to finish this episode. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. Yes. So, conscientiousness. Okay, conscientiousness is like your ability to ha- work hard and organized. It's kind of like efficiency. Mm-hmm. If you, if I had to put a word for it, it's like efficiency. Okay, so um, there's two aspects to it, industriousness and orderliness. I am 75th percentile, so I'm moderately high. Um, moderately low. I'm in the 31st percentile. Oh, my God. I'm really low. Oh, my God. Like, what are you doing with your life? Industriousness, I'm just low. So, yeah. I'm in- just low. Industrious. So, this is the highest predictor of success. So, if you're... <laughs> 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 Thank you very much. I'm just going to leave it here. I'm going to try it Like, Ariana will... Uh, no, no, no. I'm kidding. But this is... Again, remember, this is just a baseline. This is not... The truth of the matter. I'm sure what that you read in... What if I say I disagree with this one? Yeah. Because, you, well, do you write an enticing essay? What do you mean? Like, can you write an essay that blows somebody's socks off? Moderately. Yeah. And uh, do you... Ha- have you ever handed in something late? Of course. How, how, how regular is that lateness? Not late, but right, right on time. Okay. It's very regular. Well, but you're aware of your level of industriousness and you organize accordingly, which is fine. Uh, that's why I disagree. Um, to a certain extent, to a certain convenient extent. <laughs> the, Fair enough. Go the, ahead, the, the point is, it's the biggest <laughs> predictor of success. 
It's like you said it. I was like, oh, thank you very much for the, for the compliment. They're it's not me. It's the literature. The literature says it's the biggest predictor. We'll it's not the only. It. We'll see about it. It's not the only predictor of success, but it's a big predictor of success because industriousness is how hard you can work, basically. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And then they're orderly. I'm 56th percentile in industriousness, which is I'm, I'm average. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then orderliness is uh, how organized you are. And I'm high. I'm 84th percentile oh in. God. I'm 54th. I'm yeah. average. Oh my God. But yeah, I'm a bit more of a chill person with this situation. Well, I do want to point something out here. Uh, and I'm going to point it out on top again. Well, no, I'll, I'll say it later. But uh, what's your story with, con- with with conscientiousness? Do you have something? The thing is, it's what I'm telling you. I think conscientiousness has evolved for me, you know? Because, like, we were speaking, like, I think it was last week, that we used to be, or at least I used to be someone who was trying very hard to be a perfect student, you know? And I knew... Mm. I had the formula deciphered. I knew what I had to do to be very good at school, very good at my extracurriculars, very good daughter. You know, what everybody wanted me to be, right? So for that, I was doing like so many things and I managed to do so many of them right. It's like, I was doing Gaitas, which consumed lots of my time for three years. I did MUN, international. I had the second best or third best um, av- like score. Average. Average in my class. Or it's like, GPA. Great point more, average, yeah. The more things that I had to do, the more efficient that I was. You see, it's like I woke up seven in the morning. I had eight hours of school. Then I danced for around three, four hours. I got home. I ate and I studied until 11 in the night that day. And I just kept going. And I was, I was very good at everything that I was doing at that time, you know? And something that I often tell people that ask me, like, you know, what do you recommend when you're trying to just, like, seize opportunities when it comes to like academic and extracurricular skills. for me it's like do not feel like you're doing like do not underestimate yourself and be like i don't want to do too much because it's like if you're doing things that you like you're just going to use your time more efficiently than if you don't because it's like if you just do two things because you want to have five afternoons free in your day in your week beautiful but what are you going to do with those five afternoons Sulk. You can just get like watch a movie or maybe sleep, take a nap, whatever, and it's fine. But uh, if you were not, if you had those afternoons busy, you would be doing something that's probably way more productive than that. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I did the same thing in high school. You know, I I spent my my high school years busy in one way or another, and it was good for me. And I what I did. I, I've told this before when I got to university and I decided to be as busy as possible. I think it's not about being busy. I think it's about finding the optimum amount of free time. Mm-hmm. Because if you have too much free time, you get stupid. Mm-hmm. If you have too little free time, you die. Yeah. So it's getting in the middle of it where you can use your free time for interesting things that you actually like to do. And that those, in the end, like those, those times to explore your 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 bored self yeah. is what leads to projects like this. Yeah. It's like the time that I had to read the book is what leads us to this episode. Yeah, yeah. And I'm 100%. You to read the book is what t- took you to like, you know, come up with the idea of the podcast. Like I agree. I think that, again, one of the things that happens with these tests is that it's a way to look at the world. And that's something that a lot of people don't understand. Orderly people look at the, where, at the world in terms of order. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm a person that if my desk, and it happens to me, this is my story, <laughs> uh, my desk has to be ordered. Like, I love my desk to be, like, super tidy and clean. And if it's not tidy and clean, I can't really work well. And his room is literally perfectly tidy and clean. I would say good. It's not perfectly tidy and clean, but it's good. And, oh, oh thank you for the compliment. I need to learn how to take compliments. <laughs> uh, but my, my point is that, industriousness for example is not something i'm particularly great at i mean i am the type of person that can hand something in late and be like oh my god i'm so sorry teacher i handed it in late and 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 that'll be that like if they they accept it they they didn't if they, if they don't accept it it doesn't matter but i've had times where my room has been a complete and absolute mess mm-hmm. and it just it's more overwhelming for me than it is for some for a different person and that's the same thing for you maybe the reason why your conscientiousness is low is not that you can't work efficiently and diligently Mm -hmm. but that working efficiently and diligently isn't a necessity for you Mm -hmm. yeah yeah or that being organized isn't necessarily something that it's in your top priority but you still do it like that could be a testament to how well you live your life Mm -hmm. you know what i mean let's say for example last year my my priority no doubt it was to make friends and build my social life in madrid because i had my family wasn't here anymore so i needed you know some like Emotional support. So I did not really care about how what I did for school or like how organized my apartment was. Like survival was make sure you go to as many parties as you can, meet as many people as you can, and just be out of your house. Go ahead and explore the world. You know, it's like by then Toodaloo. my conscientiousness and my organization skills were definitely not one of my priorities. But this year, I'm like, okay. Let's, you know, let's put this big puzzle and mess of them work together. So I'm taking a lot more care of how clean I keep my apartment. Yeah, yeah. That's my, like, rest space. Now, yeah, you know? definitely. How, this is, there's one thing that's very hard for me. It's, like, taking notes in class and then keeping them organized. Even if I try super hard, it's impossible. impossible. Yeah. That, for me, I'll give it. But I, I do think that I'm someone who also tries to, like, plan time. You know, it's like, I, I want to have my day structured, scheduled. It's like, I want to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do So, like, I make sure that everything I need to do is inside the time frame that I have available. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any stories with conscientiousness? No, I think my story is that. It's like how, how it changes for me. You know, it's like I think you have more specific stories of everything, but for me, it's like a general reflection of how it has impacted my life in the past year. That's very you. Yes. <laughs> so the next one, uh, I'm going to tell my story before we start. So uh, this one is called extroversion, and most of us already know this. We've discussed before that most people are actually ambiverts, which means that they're not either extroverted or introverted. They're somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, extroverted, extroversion and introversion is more or less like your social battery and whether it's negatively charged or positively charged. So if you're an introvert, your battery charges by not being used, which means if you're not in a social situation and you're with yourself, your battery charges. Mm -hmm. And if you're an extrovert, your battery charges when you're with people doing something social in some way. Okay. So my story is weird. I am very high in extroversion. I'm in the 89th percentile of extroversion, which means that I'm more extroverted than 89 uh, people out of 100 and my enthusiasm is very high it's 75 percent moderately high and then assertiveness is very high assertiveness is basically 
So enthusiasm is how excited you are to go to the party and how, but assertiveness is how you uh, take charge. You know, the type of people who are like, take charge people who are like, I'm going to be the person who talks and I'm going to lead the conversation and let's play a game today and let's do something. Uh, my story is that I get very anxious doing that. Like I have an ability for it. I, I certainly do. I have this um, propensity to be able to be charismatic in front of people and have them uh, listen to me and, and, and all that. But if I'm not around people that I'm 100% comfortable with, it gets me very, 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 very nervous and anxious. How just, do you do it, Cam? Oh, yeah, well, that's, that's something that happens. But it's, it's a different role. You see, it's like a, a flip a switch. If I'm doing it at camp, I'm a camp counselor. If I'm doing it at MUN, I'm a delegate. But if I'm doing it in a social situation, I'm me. And then the switch isn't completely flipped. It's something like, well, maybe these roles that I play, assertiveness is completely normal. But maybe in my social life, it's not 100% there. And it makes me feel out of place would be the right phrase, probably. And it's not necessarily bad. It's like, oh, it, it's like imposter syndrome. See, but then, I get what you were saying. That, like, when you're a delegate, you're a camp counselor... I can absolutely relate. It's like, sometimes I would dare to do things that usually people would never, never associate with me because I feel like I'm a more confident version of myself because you have like this disguise or like this character that you can get into it. You just absorb the confidence of being somebody else. So like, if there's negative consequences of it, Jose's not going to deal with them, you know? The counselor's going to deal with them or the delegate's going to deal with them and then they're going to be gone, you see? Yeah, but it's something more of, it's, it's emotional. It, when I'm a camp counselor and I have a problem, the problem is still affects me exactly the same as it would if I was just me. The thing is that I have this role to play. I play it and then I sort my emotions out elsewhere. Mm. If I'm being assertive at a social event and I'm me, I don't sort out my social emotions at that time mm -hmm. i have to kind of i i i the other way where i i live my emotions at that mm -hmm. moment there's no delay between what's happening and when i deal with it i think that's the thing it's something like oh and and this is typical of me and it's something that i've learned and grown a lot with which is not everybody has to like me hmm. which is funny because I, i i i was in high school and i don't think my class particularly loved me but for some reason after i left high school it was like why doesn't everybody love me? And it's like, you know, nobody has to love you, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's something like whenever I'm in a social situation and I get that feeling where I'm like, mm, this person doesn't like me, it like, it's like a bit of a, a, a shock. It's mm -hmm. like a, like a, when you, when you, when you're changing gears and the car does like, uh -huh. and then it finishes changing. It's like that. So it's, it's weird, but I'm working on it. Fair and I, I, I'm entirely sure that it's an imposter syndrome that is, typical of a person who is starting to mm, to get comfortable in that role fair enough okay mm -hmm. what about you okay my extroversion is moderately high i'm in the 69th percentile and my story with this is basically that i never saw myself as an extrovert ever mm. so i grew up being i was the first child from you know my parents and i was also the first of the cousins from all of my mom's side so basically i was a baby surrounded by big people yeah so for me it was always easier to just be around adults than to be around kids from my age 
And there's a story for me being in like uh, kindergarten, like the lowest you can be, maternal, that's how you say in Spanish. Nursery. Exactly. So it's like there was all this kid like peeing in themselves and then there was like big chaos and my mom and like the people who knew me since then were like, you just went to the teacher and you told her like, let me have you up. You know, I was like, this is a mess. <laughs> Let's figure it out. You know, it's like I've always felt um, that the people like that are my age, maybe younger than me, especially when I was when I was smaller than I am now, were a bit like immature, right? So that always made me feel like I was better when I was alone than when I was with them because I didn't really understand the way they worked and I, they really did not understand the way in which I worked. I've always been like very serious person. It's like I'm not the one that's going to be joking around all the time. You know? but, but same here. With you? Yeah, I've always been the quiet kid who uh, the, all the kids were playing football and I was talking to their parents. Bueno, exacto. And did you consider yourself to be like young, like, like introverted when you were young? Yeah. I, I, I started be feeling like an extrovert when I went to MUN. Uh-huh. So MUN opened up that. There comes the story. It's like, I struggled so much with MUN when we started. And I remember we talked about it. For you, it was more of a first time, natural. You were yeah. like, this is my jam. Yeah. For me, it was like, first time, we cry. Second time, we hate. Third time, we reconsider all of our life decisions and we want to quit. And my mom doesn't let me quit. So I stay. And then I fell in love with you. So this is a very different story for me. Wow, and yeah. I remember speaking about this with my MUN friends from college in Caracas. And I told them, who I am now is because of MUN. Like, the extroverted, like, socially dynamic, easygoing, you know? Yeah, definitely. This I had to learn because the only way to be a delegate in which people can trust in a matter of minutes is that if you transmit trust... You're nice, you listen to people, and you're also easygoing, you know? Like, yeah, but there's also that doctrine in MUN, which is fake it till you make it. Until uh, uh, you become it. it. Yeah. Uh, so so there, there's, there's a real truth behind the fact that we might not have been extroverted when you were little. See. So we might have actually been pretty introverted, and then MUN just... And like, oh, we have a pretty interesting study. Like, before kids get into MUN, you do a test on them. You know, uh, big five personality test, test their extroversion levels, and then measure them two years after. That would be really that cool. Be that would be super. I'm going to do that <laughs> just for kicks. So I remember coming here to uni and I think I've told this over before. Somebody, I was talking to like very nice girl in my class and she was like, yeah, but you're definitely an extrovert. And I'm like, no, I'm an introvert. I think I felt insulted by the fact that somebody had called me an extrovert yeah, when all you, of my life I'd picture myself as an introvert. Are you calling me like a jock or something? I was like, never. I, if I lived in the US, I wouldn't be a cheerleader. Exactly. Because <laughs> that, that's what you feel like. <laughs> like, I'm like, not a popular I'm not, kid. I'm not the one that goes to parties every night, you know? It's like, I'm not the one who's going to prefer to just go out instead of staying in. I love staying in. Ariana, I went to a party last night. I went to a party <laughs> And I have a headache that it's going, it's killing me right now. Okay, I started doing my best already. I'm like, oh, I don't think about it. But yeah, it's like when when I pictured an extrovert, like this person who was all the time, you know, was like around people and going to parties and like events and that. It's like you realize that's fake. See, si, that's not extroversion. Bueno, bueno, I, 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 that's the whole point of this. It's like being an extrovert does not mean that. 
But for me, like this thing of the social batteries is very true. It's like there's a there's a point in which unless I'm with people who I'm very 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 comfortable with, I can be having the time of my life. But I'm gonna be like, okay, you know, I had I had a beautiful time. Now I just need time for myself in which I can reflect about how happy I was when I was with you. Yeah, no, no, and and look, the thing is, you can be an extrovert and still like your time alone. See. Uh, but it's an ambivert, you know? Okay. No, no, but without ambiversion, I'm ninety. I'm I'm a I'm a very high person and I'm I'm a very extroverted person. I'm an eight, I'm 89th percentile, but I love my time alone as well. And it's maybe because, look, I don't use my time alone to sulk around. I use my time alone to play the guitar or to record a, port, a, a podcast or uh, to read a really difficult book. So it's not necessarily that I'm like introverted in that sense. Mm-hmm. It's maybe more like. I need um, higher levels of stimulation all the time. And there's also something, I don't know if you can categorize it as an introversion or extroversion, but now that I live alone, like really, really alone, I've noticed that I really appreciate company. It's like knowing that my mom was there in my house when I went back in summer, or like I, when I visit my grandma or my cousins here, it's like just knowing that they're there makes me feel very at ease. And when I'm alone, I can I can really enjoy it. I'm fine. But I tend to be way more anxious when there's nobody in my house than when there is someone. And I think <laughs> it's very interesting. Because it's like, uh, I'm just in this alert mode constantly. It's like, I cannot be too relaxed or too happy because if then something bad happens, it's going to affect me more than if I'm already feeling bad and then something bad happens. You see what I mean? Yeah, but that goes into the next... Yeah. <laughs> The next category, which is called neuroticism, mm-hmm. it sounds like like the kind of thing that you need to get into a mental institution. In the extreme, of course, that's probably it. Ariana, I feel, does not like the fact that she got a high score in this. You see, it's like really my scores are not beautiful. I, yeah, I've got very low conscientiousness. I've got very high neuroticism. I'm the 74th percentile. Agreeableness, maybe I'm like way too nice to people sometimes, or like they can take advantage of me, or I don't look out after myself. It's like you don't like to see this, you know, these things. In the past. Yeah, not, that's not what I expected, you know. But uh, in absolutely the end, true. But go ahead. again, do you have a good life? I have a beautiful life. Then again, this is the the eyes with which you see the world, and the fact that you have a good life even though this is your perception of the world, is remarkable. Mm. That's, that's the headline. Mm. You know, that's the tweet. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, so don't feel, you know... No, yeah, that's what I'm trying... Like, now I look at it and I'm like, okay, we, ha- we have the shit. Now let's see what we're going to do with it. You exactly. See? It's like, I can do this, for example, which I was studying Hosea before. It's like, even if I'm having a very interesting day after very little sleep, this... Is going to be something that no matter how bad I feel or how tired I am, I'm going to love to do. Yeah, recording is always... It's it's amazing. <sighs> yeah. It's like, you know, Jose and I only see each other under this circumstance, right? So yeah, also, like maybe at a party, but like... But like very, very not often, right? So it's like, I also associate you and your presence with like something inherently positive. Right? Aww. Yeah, it's, it's very true. So and me, like, me too, like honestly. These spaces for me are like sacred, you know, it's like... I, I love spending my Friday nights, evenings, whatever, doing this. And Same. I want to keep doing this. It reminds me of World School Debate Championship, <laughs> actually. <laughs> I want to keep doing this for a very long time. And this is like our baby now, you see? So it's like, 
if being crazy makes me to have a need to just spend my Friday evenings talking about how I feel and putting all of my stress into a project that's gonna become something beautiful in the end, then you know, let's welcome it. Let's embrace it. We love. We do. So, neuroticism. Neuroticism is your uh, vulnerability and then reaction to negative emotion. Okay. Yeah. So withdrawal is how uh, how sensitive you are to different types of negative emotion, and then volatility is how deep and violent or extreme your reaction is to that negative. Uh, you haven't told us what's your. Oh, my score. So I'm uh, I'm 59th percentile in uh, neuroticism, um, which is average. It's actually, I think, above average for men. So females tend to be higher in neuroticism than males. Uh, typical scores in neuroticism for uh, women is 60, uh, 60th percent. And um, for men, it's about 58 or something. So I'm pretty, pretty average. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have... In my withdrawal, it's 72%, which means I'm a lot more... Uh, I feel a lot of negative emotion in different parts. But my volatility is average as well. It's 43%, which means it's pretty normal. For me, it's the other way around. Well, no, not the other way around. I have a moderately high withdrawal and moderately high volatility. So I do both. <laughs> You're in, like, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the whole... You know, neuroticism, the whole thing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a decent level. It's a different, it's a, dis- a decent level of neuroticism to have, you know? Yeah, it's high. Everything's high. No, it could be a lot higher. Fair enough. That's true. Like, like you get to 80, 90% neuroticism, and you're talking to a, you know, person who has the psychotic break when they have the wrong kind of coffee. You have a, may- maybe you have a kind of bad day. <laughs> See. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, for me, it has to do with people. So, um, I think that neuroticism, if something, like, bad happens, like, I don't know, my computer breaks or I, I lose something. Usually I, I don't tend to be very affected by those types of things. Like, I don't necessarily that I'm going to be chill, but especially now that I live alone, it's like, okay, now it's fine. We just have to deal with it. It's like, what do I have to do? Yeah. But when it comes to people and emotions and things that people do that affect me, really very sensitive. And it, I go again to my relationship. It's... Discussions that come over and over again to like you know things that we have as couple. It's like there's ex behavior that it's natural for him and it's part of his personality, which for me I would just behave completely different. It's like that's what I would expect, and he doesn't have to change the way he is. You know, I just need also to make an effort to understand it, right? But like. There's, they can be just this one little thing that he didn't hug me before he left, or like he didn't tell me X or Y. Yeah, that's gonna fuck me so much. It's like it really gets to me in a way that's a bit like maybe exponential sometimes. Yeah. So for me, like that's one of the ways in which I see neuroticism a bit. And I was gonna say something else, but I forgot. I will jump in if you go ahead. For you to remember that this is also something that's really cool. Again. It's about how you see the world. Mm-hmm. So imagine it's like a superpower. You have a magnet for shady shit, mm-hmm. okay? Especially with people, which is pretty useful when you think about it. So one of the things that I have in my relationship is that whenever we have an argument that resurfaces a lot, it's not because 
we're being petty and we're bringing it up. It's because both of us, or at least one of us, at a time, because it can be that maybe both of us bring it to the table, but generally it's like, hey, this is bothering me again. It's that at least one of us is seeing that this is important. Not necessarily that it's bad, it might be, but that there's a, there, it's important. And it's generally speaking never about what's going on in the surface. So it's almost never that I didn't give you a hug. It's almost always yeah. the something else deeper mm -hmm. and my girlfriend and i have this thing where if it repeats more than three or four times we sit down and talk about it deeply like let's get to the bottom of this because i don't want to like for example once it was a person that was bothering the both of us and we were like okay we agree we're not the problem this person is the problem how are we gonna fix it and so it was really cool to like put that flip on it instead of both both of us feeling the grief of the problem like oh i've been talking about my girlfriend about this and i think i'm gonna have to mention this again in this argument and i don't really want to because i know that it's gonna be so freaking annoying to have to do this again and she's gonna react badly and i'm gonna react badly and it's gonna be like and it's like wait 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 breathe in a little bit and it's like you feel that this is wrong right yes i feel like this is wrong yes what are we doing here what are we talking about it's like okay Where does this come from? And it's like, whoosh. oh, it comes from this. And then you have an honest conversation about it. And generally speaking, you reach, at least in my case, you reach a difference of opinion, a clear, concise difference of opinion that can be abridged, that can be sewn together if need be, or that can be left and said, you know what? This is something that we agree might to not have. Yeah, or agree to disagree, or you know what? We can talk about this. When we have to. And maybe we don't need to get into this argument today. We can, you know, well, write it down somewhere and keep it in mind. Like, this is something that we have to talk about at some point. But maybe today we just don't have the energy for it. And I think that's um, one of the things that happens to me with an artism is that I have an average level of volatility, which means that I, I get that urge to, like, run away and be like, you know what? I'm angry today. Fuck off. For me, it's the other way around. It's like, you know what? I'm fucking angry today so i need to talk about it with you and the other person will be like no i don't want to talk until i don't figure out here first so that fucks me up even more mm, i'm 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 very patient and my girlfriend has said this repeatedly i envy your patience and it's like i notice that she's being let's put it that way bratty you know like that, that i'm angry i want to show it to the world and i'm like mm -hmm. Okay, I'm gonna get. I, I'm like Rocky. I don't mind getting some blows in my face before I get to the truth. And so I let her, and I let her, and I let her, and I let her, and I'm like, is this really it? What's her problem? What's going on? And she's like, huh. And it goes away. And like she burns the fuel out, and it's over. But it's, I think it has to do a lot with my volatility that I have those, I have those moments where that happens where I'm like, oh shit, I want to walk out that door right now so much. And it's like, oh, and then you're like, wait, the rational part of your head is like, mm -hmm. breathe. And then you get through it. And it's like, and then afterwards, it's always super cute. You know, after you have a, yeah. a, a discussion that's actually important, you get to a point where you're like, I'm so glad that you exist, <laughs> human being that I cuddle with every night. Yeah. Fair enough. And you're, also, you're also talking about how Jose's girlfriend is very low neuroticism. Oh, my girlfriend is, I think, 3% neuroticism. Oh, yeah, no, no, it's crazy. I, actually, I think I have her scores here because I have uh, uh, this test. If you do it, uh, you, can, um, you can actually... Uh, 
partner it up with partner it with somebody else, which is really cool because it, it tells you like if if there's a really big difference between you and your partner, how to solve it or what to oh, what really? to really yeah. So uh, your typical average in agreeableness and your partner is high. Your you know and it's all there. And so my girlfriend's neuroticism. And it tells you your, impli- your the implications of orderliness as a couple, the implications of, um, for example, Marie and I are both high in, extrovert, uh, high in extroversion. So implications of extroversion as a couple, you're high in extroversion, your partner is high in extroversion. As a couple, this means that your relationship will tend to embody the virtues and faults of high extroversion in general. Like it, 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 goes, it, it goes really into detail. And so in the end, let me see if I can find, yeah, neuroticism. Um... She's Your partner is very low. It's 2%. My girlfriend is 2% in neuroticism, which is crazy low. People who are very low in neuroticism tend to be emotionally stable and to experience less negative emotion. They may have more positive outlook on life, especially if they're also extroverted, which she is. So they are rarely focused on negative elements and anxieties and uncertainties of the past, present, and future. For me, it's... Uh-huh. Now you read the description, it's like... I've had... I've noticed that in my brain, there's this pattern of... I need to have a big existential problem all the time. First, it was this thing of like, if I wanted to leave the country or not. So that took me like a year. Then there was the existential identity questioning when it came to Madrid. It's like, who really am I in this whole thing? And my brain really cannot stop. It's like, okay, I, I need to figure it out. Yeah, it's really cool. I need to figure it out, but all time, like, I wake up and I'm like, I'm brushing my teeth and I'm like, what does it mean? How do I feel? Who am I? And I'm like, You're not gonna find it. It's not in the toothbrush. Stop it. Sometimes I'm like, how do, how do I turn it off? It's like, how do I stop thinking for a bit and just give myself a break? Because sometimes the headaches that I have, not this one, but in general, it's like, I'm thinking so much that my brain's like, well, Stop. Mel Gibson has uh, a really good video. She has a book about this, the five, four, three, two, one. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's whenever you get into a spiral like that, you have to reset your head. You know, so imagine it like the Mad Hatter in in Alice in Wonderland. Until you break a cup, the guy will keep on, you know, just mm-hmm. being crazy. So what you need to do is you basically you're you're having this moment. And you're like five, four, three, two, one, and you pick a task any task, whatever you want, and you do it. And you kind of, you know, get the reins of your mind controlled again. But uh, I understand what you mean. I mean, again, I'm average in neuroticism, so I have both sides. I can see towards your side. I can see towards my girlfriend's side where I'm like, there's moments, for example, I played a soccer game last week and we were losing really badly. But one of the advantages of losing is that you don't really care anymore. And so I get really nervous when I'm playing soccer and I'm goalkeeping, and somebody comes at me, and the, the initial pass to get out of the goalkeeping area, for me, is super, you know, a difficult moment. Like, there's a lot of pressure and stress and everything. And it gets the better of me a lot. And then when I w- we were losing, it's like, who the fuck cares? We're going to lose anyways. And I would just, I did it perfectly. Like, I, I remember I passed one, and somebody said, beautiful. And I was like, damn! You chilled, and then you were enjoying your game. Exactly. And I think that's... Uh, so if you're high in neuroticism, just try to de- to change the context of what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. See it as a magnet for bad stuff, if you ever have one. Like uh, maybe what's going on in your relationship is something leading to something important that will save you in the future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then all that pain and, and anxiety is worth it. And then you can also use it as like, 
sometimes you need to stop it and mm-hmm. and just do something else. There's ways to do it. And that's why for me it's like so important to like exercise or like cook stuff like that because like really when I'm very like immersed in that mood or that anxiety, there's few things that really that get me off. And for example, when I when I manage to complete a workout, working out when I'm anxious is super hard. Really, like super hard for me. It's like I want to stop, but I know it's better if I continue. So it's it's really like this. But you can stop because you don't want to keep going. You're tired, but then it's like, if I finish, I'm gonna feel better. But you can stop, but then you can keep. And it's for me, it's like, but stop. Like just concentrate on something specific about what you're doing, and then get through it. And when you're done, you're gonna feel so much better about it. But come on, it's like again. Everything in my head is debatable, and it's very annoying. Well, one of the things that um, my sister just sent me a, an Instagram the other day, like a, a real. And wow, I said on Instagram, what an old man. Uh, my sister sent me a reel the other day, and it was just something like, it, What if I told you that I was recording for the floor? Would you be able to take that off your head now? The fact that I'm recording for the floor. That's what an intrusive thought is like. The fact that I'm telling you that I'm recording for the floor, it, it, from the floor, means that it's impossible for you to think of anything else. Mm-hmm. Now, this is what you do with intrusive thoughts. Instead of being focused on that, what if I told you, for example, you know that I'm recording for the floor, but this is a really good view of the window. And then it quiets down, and you can think of the window, and you can listen to the person. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more, especially with intrusive thought, thoughts like that, and and in little battles in your own head. It can either be wipe yourself off it like quickly, like five, four, three, two, one, just reset, or focus because that's just attention that's not being put somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So you can redirect that attention to something else. So instead of focusing if you're gonna finish or not. You can focus, if you have a mirror where you work out, you can focus on whether you are doing your technique correctly. See, or just like, for example, what I do, it's like, I think about the muscle that I'm, like, working. So it's like, if I'm doing biceps, for example, it's like, I really focus on doing the, the exercise with the muscle that I want to target, right? So that really, it's like a very useful mental technique for me. But, uh, you know, sometimes I can't. Sometimes I'm like... Yeah, understandable. But I want to, we're still missing one. Like, yeah, the last category, openness to experience, which for me is the most... We're going to do an entire episode about this at some other point. Fair enough. So what's your, your score? I'm in the 96th percentile for openness to experience, which means that I'm very, very open to experience. Anybody want to do something, call me. That's basically it. I have 57%, so I'm quite average for that. Well, they, for example, they, like I think my boyfriend is very high in openness to experience. Definitely. And I don't know, my I think he's average as well. My girlfriend is high in openness to experience really? as well. Yeah, so she has an eighty. Yeah, she's eighty fifth percentile, so she's a bit less open than I am, but she's very open. I am. There's two sides. There's intellect and openness. So intellect would be openness to ideas. Intel, uh, openness would be like experiences so i'm 92nd percentile in intellect which means that you're high in the aspect means that i enjoy taking like new ideas engaging mm-hmm. like philosophical discussion mm-hmm. the podcast uh and i get frustrated with people that don't figure things out like if you're stuck in your little world and you can't it happens to me sometimes with my friends when when they don't know something that i know about like like typical trivia questions that like you don't know who this person is and i'm like i think the other day we were speaking about kendall jenner and i was like okay for those who don't know and you're like 
who wouldn't know who Kendall Jenner is? And yeah. I'm glad your dad was here because they were like, I don't know who it is. I was like, there you go. <laughs> yeah, or like one time I asked my friends, like, who's Winston? Winston do you know who Winston Churchill is? Yes. And like most of my friends were like, I think so. Like, I'm like, how do you not know who he is? He was a great man. Like, you know, typical. Mm-hmm. And I get really uh, passionate about knowledge. And then uh, there's. Intellect. Well, my girlfriend is like 67%, so she's an intellectual person, but she's not super intellectual, and it's totally good. You're exactly the same score. That's awesome. Um, And then I'm in openness, I'm 95th percentile, which is... Very high. It's very high. It's impressively high. Yes. It means that people who score higher in the aspect of openness are creative, artistic, imaginative, and reflective, although they can also sometimes be impractical and unusual. And maybe impulsive... No? Yes, uh, you're likely like I have creative outlets. So yes, I learned how to paint, uh, paint to draw when I was pretty. Actually, I'm gonna see if I can do this. It's like it says that they may enjoy an outlet for the creative ability, but will not wither away without it. Exactly. So I don't need it, but uh, I've had I have these little diaries since I was like 14, and they're all full of pictures and drawing and letters and now you're publishing your letters i'm publishing a lot of like actually in this i think it's this book i wrote like these are pages and pages of me writing and drawing and and actually my friends tend to draw here which is something i really loved like my friends would take a page from my book and just write whatever they wanted which is one of the best traditions that i ever had um I would write when I when I had books that I was reading. I would uh, like write down the things that you like. Exactly, and then I wrote one which is called uh, "La ciudad de mis sueños," and I think I wrote it in this book. Uh, but yeah. Like, look at this. Who are you? <laughs> what the hell? Why did I write I that? I, I also have that, and I have it recent. Really? <laughs> 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 Fourteen-year-old me just drawing stuff. But what? And for example, I have very. It's a typical average openness. It's a forty-fourth percentile, right? So basically, I can enjoy creative things, but they're not the main um, recipients of my attention or like my effort or my talent, right? Which is completely fine. I would just do it for use it for something else. But it's very interesting to see. It's like, also, do you think like crazy experiences for you are something that you're like always looking out for? No, but I, I did have this discussion the other day with someone, and it's weird. It's it was about somebody asked me if, if I wanted to go into diplomacy, and they realized that I didn't want to go into diplomacy forever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Why?" And I was like, "Look, I did MUN, and I was pretty good at it, and I got from delegate to." chair to subsecretary general to secretary general to organizer of another MUN to participating in internationally to doing one in university to organizing one in university I did it all mm-hmm. and I got to the top of that hierarchy I did everything I was like okay next thing and my mom used to tell me that, it was, that I used to do that a lot that I, I would get a Rubik's Cube and I would do the Rubik's Cube every minute of every day until I finished it and then after it was done Move next on. thing and the same thing happens. I'm I'm at camp right now, and I love camp, and I think it's a really new, different experience for me. And 
But I'm in the first part. I'm Soyguia. And I need to, I'm, I'm going to be, someday I'm going to be a Bacchiano. And then after that, coordinator. And then after coordinator, I'm going to be a director. I'm not going to stop until I get to the top of that at some point. And then at some point, I'm going to look at it and say, huh, maybe I'm done with this. And that doesn't mean that I don't go back to MUN. I told you today that I had a MUN style discussion. And next week, I'm planning on Thursday to go see my, um, my friends from MUN because I'm technically still a member but i don't participate in it actively and it's not like it goes away it's just integrated into me every new experience just builds a little bit of who i am so it's not like ah uh, yeah let's throw myself off a, an airplane with a parachute on or like it's more like i want to master as many things as i can like the ukulele or the guitar or writing or drawing mm -hmm. it's, or they're all just experiences that i want to get to the bottom of fair enough i understand I've never been able to articulate that. But I, you that did it perfectly. Perf yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, articulating stuff is, a, is, is something else. Psychology. So... Yeah, that's... Now you have a very... There are insights into... Well, the, I'm going to give you a little bit of a tidbit about the next episode, which is that we're going to uh, talk about... I had a problem with my openness to experience, which is that it makes me investigate ideas that go contrary to ideas that I already have. And it's very stressful. Okay? So, basically... Uh, that's going to be our next episode and we're going to see it very, very soon. So yeah, remember that. No one gets away with... Anything. And even if you try to be somebody that you're not, it's going to come back to you. So just embrace it and believe when we say that there's something beautiful in it. So just take advantage of it. Remember, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Substack, and now also YouTube. on YouTube. Uh, if you are interested in this personality test, it's called understandmyself.com. It's developed by Jordan B. Peterson and some of his colleagues, and we highly recommend it. We'll see you again next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.